This is InsureTech Perspectives with Bolt, and we've got another two-parter for you because we arranged a conversation with Ari Katz, and this is a really interesting one because Ari is co-founder of the original Bolt platform, so he's obviously got a fascinating story to tell, and he's still with the team, and he now leads Bolt Ventures, which I think is very much the future of insurance. So this is another sort of look back and and look forwards type of feel. And we cover one of the biggest themes in InsurTech today, how to innovate. Here's a short clip. Innovation is expensive and it doesn't always succeed. We also talk about the fact that when he started, Ari didn't have an insurance background. In fact, he didn't even live in the States. Yeah, when you look from the outside, you can see things that are happening and then you can come up with solutions as an external observer. And you can hear a little bit about Bolt's earliest days. And that's where we uh, changed and adapted to support those different needs. This is episode nine. Thank you very much for joining us in the pod. And I'm going to start by explaining who you are and how your incredible career has, I guess, worked out so far. So let me just give a very short potted history before we start chatting, because your background is fascinating. So Ari's background is in software engineering. And he started his career working in R&D for the Israeli Army's intelligence unit, specializing in information transfer between systems. He then pivoted into entrepreneurial life, which I think, as you'll hear, tells us an awful lot about Ari's energy and ethos and approach. His first company built fleet management software in the corporate car hire space. This is pre-SAS, as I understand it. He then started looking at the insurance space and identified a key area of disruption, and that was the insurance distribution model, or I should say the traditional insurance model. He and his business partner, Eric, launched a D2C operation in the U.S., This evolved to using all those APIs that David Lewin and I have talked about in episode three and episode eight. So together with Eric, Ari grew and evolved a new and very different kind of insurance distribution model before, of course, it was acquired by the global Baltech brand. And Ari and Eric still remain a pivotal part of the Baltech leadership team. And I think that brings us up to date. So Ari, welcome into the pod. I really hope I've got everything right there and in the right order. What interests me about your story is that back when you were looking at the US insurance distribution model, people weren't nearly as excited about insurance or insurance technology as they are now. So how much self-belief and confidence was at stake when you first told your friends and family that you wanted to disrupt the insurance industry? So first of all, thank you, Fiona, for having me here. Happy to be here. So yeah, it was a challenge telling people that uh, we are going to do a a lot of change to that industry. We looked at distribution as a whole as a challenge, right? Yeah. So that on the one side, you had carriers with their various different systems. You had agents that are going from one system to another, trying to navigate uh, between the system and between the, uh, what the carriers were providing. Uh-huh. So having multiple systems, having the need to work in a new environment with all the change coming about created an obstacle for the carriers. And, and we saw that happening throughout the time. And that's where we... Uh, changed and adapted to support those different needs. 
Yeah, I guess because consumers were looking for more choice and the model wasn't ready to be able to offer more choice. I guess it couldn't support that choice model as well. This is really interesting. You were over in Tel Aviv. How did you learn the American insurance marketplace? Was it by writing code for it or how did you get into that? It happened over time. I started there with the knowing and, and knowledge of software system, then insurance software systems. And uh, then over time, learning the U.S. specific needs, a lot of travel and uh, a lot of meeting with people, meeting with uh, agents and understanding their needs. And uh, over time, you, you learn and understand what's needed, what's happening. Yeah. And as you say, because you could see the challenges, you could see the problems, I guess it was easier for you to find the solutions. Yeah, when you look from the outside, you can see things that are happening and then you can come up with solutions as an external observer. Yeah, I'd say that's one of the biggest strengths as you were looking purely from the outside. I'd say that was a huge strength. I don't want to jump around on the timeline too much because a lot has happened since those early days, including launching the Vault Insurance Exchange and, as I said, becoming acquired by Vault Tech and we can get to that. But I'm really interested in coming right up to date and talking about your role today, which is leading Vault Ventures. My understanding is that this role merges your experience and network of contacts with your very obvious talent for sniffing out new ideas ideas across the insurance distribution value chain. Can you expand on your current role at Bolt a little bit and perhaps give me some tangible examples for each area you work in just to bring it to life for listeners? Sure. So before expanding on the role, I would say uh, we got to a, a certain milestone uh, within uh, Boltec, a very powerful milestone where we have over $5 billion of premium running through the platform. Yeah. And then you say, okay, what next? That's where Bolt Ventures comes into play. Our existing teams are very focused. We have ambitious growth targets, which means that both the tech and innovation teams are busy supporting our business and our clients. Mm-hmm. So that's one factor. The second is outside in thinking. So innovation is expensive and it doesn't always succeed. So look at, I don't know, Google Glass as an example and others. So a lot of money is invested. looks like a great idea. Some succeed, some fail. Mm-hmm. And there are companies that are doing it and we are looking to partner with them. And then the third element is tapping into the broader industry investment. So much money has been spent in the insurtech space just in the last 10 months, over $10 billion have been invested. So massive amounts of money, massive amounts of investment, and most of it is going into product development, tech development, coming up with new ideas and new solutions, but most of them lack distribution, which is what we have. That's why uh, we said, let's create uh, Bolt Ventures and tap into that opportunity. So identify yeah. products in different areas that can fit our distribution and increase our revenue, but without the risk or the expense of developing new technologies. So that's our side. And the other side, those companies that we talk to can gain access to a huge distribution that otherwise they won't be able to get that easily. You could test new ideas because you already have the distribution there. If somebody says, we've got this great idea, be it a product, be it a technology, you can go, okay, fine, we can test it and let's see. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, there's no great loss. Exactly, exactly. So one, we have the data and we have the know-how. So if someone comes with, okay, I want to do this product, I'm developing this product, we can help them adjust it, Mm. make it better based on data and information we have. That's one. The second, we can test it and and have a closed loop. So we test it in a specific distribution avenue that we have where we see the most fit or we we think it makes the most sense. And then we can close loop to say, okay, here's the test. This is the POC we did. These are the results. It's not a waterfall. This is iteration by iteration and then uh, improving this product. Specifically, what kind of areas are you working in? We already identified several areas that seem to be very interesting. 
One of them uh, is embedded insurance, what we call Amplify. But there are different variations of embedded insurance. Even if you refer someone over the phone, it's still embedded within a process. If you provide access to um, a D2C journey where you continue and get a quote and buy, that's embedded. When you sell something as an additional checkbox, it's embedded because now you just say, yes, I want to add this additional coverage to my travel ticket. Or Mm -hmm. a true embedded is that it's already embedded in the product and you only can opt out from something that you buy and you already get the insurance embedded with it as embedded. So there's a big variance within embedded. We do some of it in Amplify and it's one of our uh, highly growing areas in both, not just in the US, also in uh, Asia. But there's still a lot more to do in embedded, so that's one area. Mm -hmm. The second area is uh, parametric insurance. So this is, I would say, relatively, as I see it, as a new and growing area because there's so much data available and there are so many things that can be derived from that data and create trigger events. So I would say that it's an area under rapid development and a big potential. The next one is, uh, I would say, user-based insurance, but not just user-based, I would say more of a behavior-based insurance. Mm -hmm. It's not new. User-based insurance has been here for a long time. Uh, Not really successful, but still out there. And I think there is another level of sophistication coming with more computer vision, with more technology, with more data that can actually uh, provide a change in that area. Mm -hmm. So that's another topic. Mm -hmm. Another hot topic that uh, we see, and there is a lot of companies and a lot of hype is around cyber. Even though cyber is a big world, there is a lot of things within cyber. And I would say also specifically, if we talk about Israeli companies, you have a lot of cyber companies, you have uh, a lot of insurtechs, and there's a lot of connection between the two. You see players that play only in cyber, you see insurance solutions that rely on cyber, and you see all kinds of combinations that companies that do both offer yeah. solutions together with the cyber. So that's another interesting area. Say technology is more broadly technology that leverage uh, AI and IoT in different areas. Yeah. Mobile devices, another big one. So uh, in the US, we are not big on mobile devices, but we are the largest in insurer of mobile devices in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So we have... Uh, Uh, millions of customers uh, that we provide uh, a warranty for the mobile devices. From my chat with Clay, you've also been developing your own products within the mobile device protection space. So you're actually creating your own intellectual property within that space too, I think. Correct, correct. We develop our own and uh, we have three big hubs of development and there is a lot of tech happening within Boltec. The whole idea is that uh, we don't want to limit ourselves to stuff that we develop internally, but look at what's available out there in the industry or other industries. So in mobile devices, there are companies that do different things, such as uh, diagnostics on phones and uh, information from the phones that you can provide triggers on, etc., etc. So we are looking at opportunities in that area to add to our existing uh, distribution with the Mm -hmm. mobile devices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, gosh, an awful lot there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot. And uh, I would say last but not least, there are new insurance products. So you have companies that are doing the full process of the technology, the AI, the infrastructure, and creating new products. And we are the classic platform for them to test those products and for us to see if it makes sense or not. Yeah. In fact, you mentioned waterfall. Can you explain to any listeners who may not be aware of the difference between a waterfall delivery system and, I guess, an agile system, which is what you're talking about? Sure. So a typical waterfall implementation, which is what was the classic implementation in the past, is uh, you define everything first, you make sure that you understand all the needs, and then you go and, uh, and implement. And then only when you finish the implementation, you go back 
and, and see what the results are and see whether it fits the requirements and it fits the business needs, etc., which is a much longer cycle. There are still areas where this might work. I'm not saying it's a wrong or a bad type of process, but the agile processes that we have today are much better fit because you don't want to mm. plan a lot because it's easy to test. So you build something, you put it into a distribution, you see the results, you see how customers behave, you see how agents behave, you gather feedback, you gather and measure KPIs, and based on them, you can easily adjust the solution and uh, continue that process. So you continue and improve based on the information that you get from the results from the field. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that because I think people often aren't really aware of the difference between the two. In setting up this podcast, we spoke very briefly about the flywheel approach, which seems very similar to agile. So is there a huge difference between agile and flywheel? And can you explain how the flywheel model works for Bolt and any interesting examples from other industries that use this same flywheel approach? There is a famous sketch uh, drawn by uh, David Sachs, uh, a VC uh, that he actually drew this picture on a napkin describing uh, how Uber business model works. And so uh, this is more of a positive feedback loop. And that became our goal, to see how we can generate something similar to an Uber in the insurance space, in the insurance distribution space. We took that napkin drawing and created our own drawing with the relevant factors within the insurance. So for our flywheel, it starts with the distribution channels bringing traffic and demand. So you... We work with our big names in the, in the U.S., and they have a lot of traffic. They have a lot of people coming to their side. They have a lot of agents coming to their systems, and they need their products. So that's where we provide more products and more cares. So we started with distribution channels bringing traffic and demand. So that's the first. The second is more markets and more carriers are needed in order to provide that choice. Then, mm-hmm. as we add more markets, we have more coverage. Right, because we added more products and more markets, we have more coverage to provide, and then those transactions become more efficient because I have more products that I can offer, I can find more solutions for anyone that's trying to get an auto or a home or a business quote. And by making the transaction more efficient, that's where it closes the flywheel because then more distribution partners say, okay, now that you have that much traffic, I want more distribution partners want to join, whether it is the, the existing insurance carriers or it is new Amplify uh, type deals and others where more and more places that have traffic coming to them want to provide the most efficient transaction. And so this flywheel continues where you have now more traffic, more markets want to join because there's more traffic and they want to be part of that. They want to get a piece of that Mm. increased traffic and that continues this loop. Another opportunity that drives this flywheel is that throughout this flywheel, new product that didn't exist before now can be sold. When we talk about ventures or others, before and it's really tough to sell, I don't know, a flood insurance or a bicycle insurance because those are smaller products and more niche products. But mm-hmm. uh, when you're already adding it to an existing traffic, if you buy a homeowner's insurance, I can just insure your bike for another 10 bucks, then why not? So mm-hmm. making it, enabling new players to be added to that distribution channel. Yeah, so it's spinning the whole time, it's evolving the whole time, it's highly responsive and it doesn't claim to know the answers. This flywheel claims to keep moving and keep responding to where it needs to go. Really interesting. Exactly. 
There's a famous quote from Albert Einstein, and I appreciate Albert Einstein is long, you know, long since passed over, but it's something like if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. And it feels to me like it's this whole thing of making sure that you're solving the right problem rather than going straight into the solutioning space. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a true believer yeah. in that. You need to first really understand what you're trying to solve and yeah. where you're headed and then the solution comes easy. Yeah, yeah. And interesting to mention Uber. I'll have to look that up, Uber and uh, David Sachs. Thank you. So I'm going to pose the same question to you that I asked uh, Jim Duane and David Brandeis uh, back in December, which is that over the last 30 years, the insurance industry has created less than five new product classes. This is um, a piece of information that I read. And I'll put the article in the show notes afterwards. Do you feel that we need more products or perhaps just different underwriting or even simply to refresh the packaging of different products? What's needed? Because just five new product classes doesn't seem much. So I think if you look at the US, I tend to agree that there is not a lot of new products. But if you look globally, I think there are. I just uh, the mm. other day heard that there is a, of a company that's doing a, a shoe insurance. In India, folks buy a shoe for, I don't know, five to 20 bucks, and it's a lot of money for them. And uh, so every day I learn that there are new products, so that's one example. In Asia, you have a lot of smaller insurance protection products that are very popular, and so there is a variety. But if you look at the bigger change, and um, I would say the more and the bigger products, I think there will be a need to be a refresh because of the underwriting capabilities. With a huge increase in data and, and tech capabilities, I think there is a way and there is a place for a change in that perspective, I don't think the, the actual end result will be different, right? You still need to get the insurance for your car and for your house and for your business, but the way it's done, the underwriting, the underlying product and coverage will be different. In many cases, the nature of the risk is behavioral, right? And currently, most of the products are not behavioral. Mm. So they are more for the physical location, for the physical car, etc., versus how the person is behaving and doing uh, that actually impacts the risk. Sure, we could be looking at smart tech and smart data changing how the industry underwrites risk and a focus on ensuring behaviours rather than assets. Very interesting. Thanks, Ari. So we're going to press pause on our chat. Please remember this is a two-parter, so do please join Ari and I once again next month as we'll continue to get a new perspective on what is an increasingly exciting industry. And as always, you can find some great blog content on Bolt insurance.com. My name's Fiona Mattesini. Thanks for listening.